Wandering Journo at Stories That Matter Studios. I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town. The podcast that takes you on an audio journey through theatre of the mind, highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. This is Stories of Survival, a special edition of Streets of Your Town, brought to you in collaboration with community support group, the Southwest Wellness Collaborative. It was only a few short years ago, on January the 11th, 2011, that Lee Windsor found himself at the Sherwood Community Centre with little more than the shirt on his back. He was one of thousands of faces of the catastrophic floods that swept through Brisbane and Ipswich, inundating suburbs and forcing thousands to flee their homes. Nothing was left of the Sherwood house he called home except for the walls, and for a while he wondered if he would ever be able to return to live there. Today, under the veranda at the Sherwood Community Centre, which he called home for many months, he tells us how he pulled back from the brink and now continues to help others at the centre by teaching computer skills. So, Lee, can you tell us a bit about uh, how long have you lived in this part of Brisbane? I've lived um, at at Sherwood uh, since about 1975. So that's a while. Mm. And were you... uh, So you... What brought you out here to start with? That's where we found a you know, fairly inexpensive house. Mm-hmm. And in those days, um, you know, there was areas of Sherwood which was quite inexpensive. Um, yeah. As you know, Sherwood, there's a high side of the line and there's a low side. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you're on the wrong side of the tracks, you can afford to live. <laughs> Literally on the wrong side yeah, of the tracks. That's so. better than the last 20 years. Things <laughs> have, uh, have got completely mixed up. <laughs> yes, it's a different um, sort of area now, isn't it? But uh, And have you lived in the same house all that yes, time? Yes. Oh, so looking back, it must be incredible to see the changes that have happened all around you in that time. Uh, yes, it, it it was a, 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 almost like a rural backwater. It had, um, mm. you know, it was it was just a quiet little little uh, shopping centre and uh, a locality, mm. uh, and um, you know it has the history of the neighbourhood centre right back to the seventies too. And you remember that? Oh well? yes, yeah. Started off with volunteers in a little broken down chemist shop where the post office is now. Oh. And um, <laughs> it was probably about as big as a matchbox. Uh, so um, it started off from those strange be- beginnings. And now here we are back at the, the Sherwood Neighbourhood Centre where you do quite a bit of volunteer work. Uh, yes, I've been teaching computers um, since um, about 2001 or 2002. So computers are your specialty? You quite enjoy that? Um, the mo- most interesting things is is in fact the process of engaging with people mm-hmm. and seeing how they learn, which is, you know, either, uh, that's my background. It, it, uh, one of those things is it was psychology. So I uh, okay. suddenly I was always very sceptical of how, why people learn things and, and things, you know. Um, you see people that are autodiastic, they can't imagine how people learn things. But if you pay attention, you actually... It's quite a remarkable process. Especially with such a diverse area as this. Sounds like you've really enjoyed getting to know some of these different cultures. Uh, yeah, well, and it's not only that, but it's a, it's a range of people here. And uh, who, who needs computers? It's changed over the years from the early days when... Uh, but uh, they're only uh, lots of older women, and uh, we, we see the strategy is 
I'm coming in here to learn this computer, but I can't tell my husband because until I'm better than him, <laughs> I'm not going. Mm. I'll be down. So there's all these all these sorts sorts of things which you discover about about how people mm-hmm. these and, and over the over this time we've seen how computers have become an essential part of actually surviving in this society. If you haven't got an email address, if you don't know how to internet bank, if you don't know this, uh, then you're almost like a non-person and it's getting harder and harder for people to survive. So you're enjoying helping people out of that conundrum? Uh, Well, um, I mean, unless there is a resource of this kind, people simply fall through the net. And uh, it's, it's... it's very unfair mm. and because you know people that have, have lived their whole life as competent as able people um, suddenly they say I can't read the phone book anymore it's in four point type <laughs> and uh, they, they, uh, they don't know how to find a tradesman without a, without a computer um, all, the, all those sorts of things and it's quite astonishing just how dependent we've become on the thing uh, on, on, on our computerised world and it may not be fair, but it's 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 just a reality. Mm. And what about for you? You've also experienced the ups and downs, I think, of of Sherwood life a bit. Um, having lived through the floods, it sounds like that was certainly a very challenging time most recently. Um, yes, that's the um, uh, January, I think, the eleventh, um, two thousand and eleven. Mm. And um, basically. Um, my brother was uh, in the process of dying. He was uh, mm. up in central Queensland, and uh, and I was going up to visit him, and sort of, uh, um, uh, and just uh, I'd been up to visit him a week before, and uh, I was coming back on the train, so the the rain was closing in. It was chasing chasing the train, so I didn't know whether I'd even get back to Brisbane. So that was two days before, got there, and. Uh, uh, my my ute was bogged in the backyard. As soon as I it was slipping on the on the on the grass and, and sunk down, so I had to, I spent the first half day just digging it out, mm-hmm. and uh, so and and then uh, the news was uh, well don't worry too much. Uh, ring up the <laughs> ring up the the um, Brisbane City Council and they'll explain exactly where the flood was going to be. And there was a lot of a lot of kind of um, um, episodes of minor flooding, and um, it's, it seemed to be that Brisbane was coping. And uh, mm-hmm. um, in some ways, I was a little bit complacent, maybe not. Uh, but um, uh, the last two days, I rang up the, the um, Brisbane City Council, and they had an advisory thing. They had a recorded tape, and um, and saying, you know, we expect and. The expectation was that there'd be a flood in my area, but it was going to come up, and it, uh, the explanation was it had come over the floor, but um, so, but it wasn't going to come as it was probably going to come at um, at a at a six metre level, so that I had sheds and uh, and the ceilings and things like that where I thought I could store things. So the house was absolutely packed with stuff of you know a lifetime of stuff. I had twenty thousand books, a whole lifetime of collection of books. Um, and so I started to spend the last day moving things up into the shed, uh, putting them up high, uh, which was a complete waste of time. And um, because I'd been away, uh, um, some of my neighbours had um, sort of actually started moving their furniture and, and appliances out. There was no possibility for that. Um, 
And so on the morning, um, I looked out and it was a fine day and we looked out there and we could just see the, 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 uh, the uh, water coming up. It was smooth, ripply, it looked clean as anything. And, um, and just very, very slowly it came up and up and up. And uh, That must have been quite an eerie feeling. Uh, yes, and uh, mm. and at that stage we still didn't have the the information that it was going to be as as dramatic. I was listening to the radio. I was listening to. I had my computer going, all that sort of thing. Uh, and um, by about mid morning, it was um, it had it had come up. There was about a meter, a meter and a half, and I realised that it, uh, you know I had to get things out. And uh, oh. I put my computers on a on a on a floating raft. And uh, tried to get them out. They fell off, so I lost my computer. I lost oh, <laughs> no. And um, uh, uh, I made a few trips to get just a, a, a kind of a few things. I couldn't carry much because, mm. because I was having to wade through waste and then, um, you know, neck-high water to, to get out by the time. Sounds like this all happened quite quickly, really, yes, in the yeah, end, once right. it started coming in. Yes, oh. over a couple of hours. Oh. And... Um, uh, and um, I really got virtually nothing but uh, what I was standing up in um, uh, and, and I managed to get up to my ute which I'd parked up on the top of the hill uh, so that was the morning and, um, mm. and then I uh, uh, started to uh, sort of inquire what, uh, I got a phone call from someone said uh, you could maybe stay here in the afternoon, and uh, an offer you could come and stay uh, stay with me, and uh, see that's too complicated. And uh, anyway, I arranged uh, t- that I'd go and across to someone at Maruka, a lady at Maruka. I thought, thought you know, a couple of days was there, and I managed to get across there. Um, and uh, by that time, the water had come up. There was no access. The the, the roads were blocked, and um, and then. I was stuck there for, well, I think, about two or three weeks uh, without being able to get back to... to uh, there was no access. The roads were not... For that well, whole time? Yeah, well, mm. yes. So, so the, uh, the great lake of water across from Rockley was, uh, was just blocking mm. the road. There was no other way to getting through Oxley and so forth. Um, that, that, well, that's basically um, um, how the flood was, but it, it, was, it came... Uh, the, the great shock was just how high it came yeah. and um, then uh, by that time the, the neighbourhood centre started to reoperate. It was uh, it was isolated because staff couldn't get here mm. either and um, I was uh, uh, offered to sleep one of, there's, a, there's a housing service here and there was one of the units that had had fibro walls and they were all broken they said you can stay there and, until something's found and um, uh, so I I moved in there uh, I thought I'd locked up properly I had um, I had uh, actually my camera and a, and, a, and a knapsack with and I had um, I'd been in the process of getting repairs done on the house so I had a wallet with $8,000 on it so I, I locked it in there and um, by that time I think I uh, I could get across to Maruka and to, to see a friend and I came back and the uh, the money was gone, the was gone. <gasps> oh and, truly yeah and so I never saw that again um, mm. and unfortunately apparently the people were trapped in the housing unit here uh, mm. when the flood was on. They were stuck here 
and um, they'd, they'd seen someone coming around prowling, from, mm -hmm. trying to open doors, and they'd actually rung the police, but they never got any response. And so that was my start of, uh, of the flood. Of recovery. recovery. What a way to and, go. Um, like, that was then, quite a blow. Yeah. So eventually, you know, when the water went down, uh, it was dramatic. So mm. I, I was in, um, mine was pretty low. It was in a hollow. And so the mud was probably oh, several inches thick and, mm. and absolutely vile smelling. Uh, there was dead fish all over the yard, believe me. <laughs> and uh, and uh, then I, how am I going to actually recover anything from the house? What am I going to do? Uh, how how did the, you go about doing that? Well, um, it was a process of cleaning up, and they were sort of cleaning up the higher streets coming mm. down, and uh, it was taking ages. And then, and then um, there was sort of... Um, uh, one stage, I think it was some of the army, and they said, "No, mate, we don't worry. About it. It's not going to happen there for ages." And um, and so eventually, must have been probably about three weeks after that, most of the cleanup was done, they actually arrived at my house, and I tried to arrange it, and um, and the, the volunteers. It was quite remarkable, really, the the amount of community volunteers that uh, were available. And so about 100 people, or 120 people, I think, turned up at the house. They were all different groups from different areas. Mm. And uh, How beautiful. Did you find that encouraging at the time? Well, it was very dramatic. At this stage, I was, I was probably, uh, you know, I took it all very calmly in some ways. Uh, probably a kind of dissociation mm. where you sort of, uh, you just live in the, in the present and you don't think about the consequences or, or the realities of anything. I mean, it must have been such a shock, you know, uh, this is the house well, it lived in for so long. Well, I, I seem to be the calmest person actually, <laughs> but, but it's a kind of calm which, is, which works by dissociation. Um, but um, then they turned up and um, they um, uh, uh, were all different teams. There were uh, people, some people sort of... Um, uh, were carefully taking things out and other people were smashing everything. There were big trucks there and it was an, an, a, an end loader and it was, uh, you know, people were throwing things out the window. They broke the doors off so they could throw things out uh, and, you know, everything in the house was virtually thrown out. Um, mm. uh, so um, and there was people and I was saying, you know, rescue, I've got no the family photos there, you know, and someone was putting them careful, and then the, the other people going through and throwing them onto the truck, then I was climbing onto the truck trying to rescue things, uh, and um, it was just kind of total chaos, and then part of that was a Western Australian football team, there was about 25 of them, I think, oh. and they came in, and, uh, oh, they were very enthusiastic but they were breaking windows out so they could throw things out the window breaking doors off uh, things as a caravan they they sort of all got together and, and, and uh, broke the door off the caravan and through and broke all the windows and that to, so that was left as a shell but everything virtually was 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 thrown out and it was just a huge amounts of stuff absolutely huge and mm. um uh, that uh, so so I was I was I was left with a, a house still caked in you in, in mud everything was mud 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 and um, 
what am I going to do? Where am I going to live? Mm. Uh, How did you make that decision? That would have been very confronting, I imagine, after the, at the time after losing everything. Uh, yes, and um, and step one was to actually try and get things cleaned up, see what mm. could, what was possible. Um, how could the house be um, renovated? Um, you know, and um, that took quite a while. Mm. Uh, and Were you able to, to stay in the house in the meantime, or, uh, or what no, were you no, doing? It, was, it totally wasn't livable. No. There, there, was, there was no, you know, everything was broken. Even, you know, the, the, mm. the clean-up crews sort of broke the sinks out, the stoves out, the fridge, you know, there was nothing left except a shell. Um, and uh, there was just wa- broken walls, uh, broken windows everywhere, and um, and that was it. So, so where were you living? Uh, well, um, I was um, I was trying to live in the um, in the um, um, emergency housing mm, here, mm. but uh, what I found is it it was just very difficult for me to sleep there. And so I was sort of moving between there and um, and my friend's house, and um, she had lots of problems too, which I didn't realise. <laughs> so that was that was kind of walk, walking on eggshells as well. Um, but eventually, uh, fortunately, the computer room and uh, I, my my good computer was lost of course but I, I had one of my own computers in the in the in the computer room which I I used used for teaching so so that was available and uh, I was able to sort of start uh, making uh, things and uh, um, Finding repairers that could, um, uh, you know, put a sink and a, uh, and a stove back in the house. Um, but, um, I, I had a friend uh, who sort of um, uh, had a gurney, and we came and we actually washed huge amounts of mud off the house uh, at that stage. Mm, I bet. And you know, took took a couple of days just to, to hose the mud off the off the outside walls cleaned up inside and I, I think I got I can't remember exactly but I think I must have got some help cleaning the inside walls uh, and hosing it out but um, and, and then then was then was the things uh, so at that stage uh, on top of that I was after the um, the 2007 eight uh, financial crisis I had um, I had about 40,000 uh, invested uh, with uh, ING and they'd frozen the money, and so mm. I was ringing, ringing, uh, ringing this, and they said, "Oh, um, uh, you can't. It's it, the money is frozen. You won't be able to see it." And I put, all, I said, "This is an emergency appeal," mm. and so I was putting in these things and renegotiate. Oh yes, we're going to release it. And then they'd, I would talk to them on the phone. Then they'd say, "No, you can't have it." I was struggling. How was I going to afford even to, to clean anything up? Small mm. amounts of money. Put a, um, to, to to get the um, the electricity uh, connected again. Then I found out, uh, you know, uh, at this stage, you know, I was a bit of a bit of a luddite in some ways with computers, but I was suspicious of mobile phones. And I said, you know, if I get a mobile phone, uh, that'll be, um, you know, I'll, I won't be able to escape for, escape from people, which is very true. Anyway, so I had to get a mobile phone, and that was. T- uh, 
Telstra was redirecting and so I suddenly I was getting these huge bills for redirected calls. Mm. I'd, I'd spend half a few hours ringing up Telstra trying to get through. And they say, oh yes, we'll help you and we'll, we, we understand this, we'll um, uh, fix all these things. And then it wasn't fixed. So I was in constant battle with Telstra to, to actually even uh, escape these hundreds and hundreds of dollar bills for, for phone calls that I'd never even seen. Then further down the track I, uh, I, I started getting these huge bills from the, um, from the electricity company and they, uh, see what had happened was basically um, after the flood they, um, the, the gas pipes in the street had broken and collapsed so mm. there, was, there was gas going everywhere so they fixed that, they removed the gas meter and the electricity meter from the premises and they were still sending me these bills, which were based on, on estimates of what I would, if, if, if there was meters there. So I'd be ringing them up and saying, you've had your three minutes, um, hang up, <laughs> pay the bill. And um, okay, can I speak to your manager? And um, you've had your three minutes, pay your bill, shut up. And anyway, fortunately I, um, I, with a computer and things like that, I was able and, 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 uh, and access to a phone. I was able to uh, ring the um, my local member, mm. and um, and eventually, probably about eight months down the track, uh, they acknowledged that the meters weren't put in. They were saying you'll have to pay them um, uh, some fees, several hundred dollars, to come out and inspect that the that the meters are, are still not are not there. They've been taken away by you. Um, no, no. And in order for us to verify that, we've got to um, um, uh, 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 you've got to pay a fee for them to, to come out and look that the meters aren't there. So you know, it was it was totally insane. Eventually, that was AGL, and um, uh, uh, well, quite a long time after that, eventually they. Um, uh, I got a call from a manager, and it was the most abusive call I've ever seen in my life. Saying, "Yeah, we've waived, we've waived the accounts," and, and it was the most grudging, discourteous policy. So <laughs> that was, yeah. Mm. All the, by and large, every most of the businesses were incredibly helpful, but there were just a few aggressive ones, including, mm. and, and certainly, uh, I won't forget AGL in that regard. Mm. But that went through the first year, so there was just a, there was stuff mm, happening. That's all a the year time. of that happening, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it took all, all that time, and uh, uh, similar similar problems connecting the um, uh, the electricity and and and, uh, and phone. Uh, uh, because um, there was just lots of problems in that area, low-lying area, old copper, and, and, and so things would, would get connected, but they weren't working. The objective when there is, how am I going to sort of get out of this situation? And uh, people were actually coming around, they were saying, you poor thing, we'll take this house off you, um, 50,000, oh, 50,000, yeah. we'll, we'll pay you out and you'll be most grateful if we accept that. Uh, so there was people just offering uh, you know, a total pittance uh, mm. to try and buy up uh, flood-affected properties at that stage. Um, by that time, I had um, a friend uh, who was an architect and he said, um, uh, we can we can start making some plans of how you're getting out of this. At this and at this stage, it was the state government were saying there'll be some uh, the premier's fund flood relief, 
so uh, I will have enough money to, to actually do repairs and maybe uh, find some, some way of actually recovering. There's a long process of going into Wood and Gabber and the um, lots of negotiations. The state government uh, um, and, the, and with the Premier's fund, so there'd be money. And we went through the process of negotiating and they said, uh, OK, well, we've got this company called Matrix, which has come in, and it, they'll be the official flood rebuilder. And fortunately, my architect said, OK, we'll, but we'll, we'll do the preliminary stages, we'll get the, uh, the, the plans drawn up, we'll get the, um, all, the, all the council permissions, which thank God happened, and then we'll hand it to you. So um, this, this went on and on and on with them. Uh, so it wasn't until probably next year, 2012, probably about March, April, or something like that, when we actually came to the stage where we could actually sign a contract. How long is that from the original event? Uh, that's, that's 18 months. That's a long time to wait yes. while you're in emergency <laughs> accommodation, isn't it? Yes. Well, at that stage, I was actually living back in, in one room. I'd uh, sort of repaired one room and, the, and uh, got a stove in and, oh. and, and, and put a fridge in. Mm. Uh, but it, the house was just still in shambles, but, mm. but there was enough of uh, there. I just uh, cleaned, out, cleaned one room, actually. And the other thing is that I probably haven't mentioned was, was just how valuable were the local um, groups in the community. There were, there were sort of, uh, there were church groups and there were people that knew the localities and knew what, what the situation was. So they were, they were probably more in touch than anybody else. Um, so that sense of community was uh, so yeah. important at that time to get you through? Yeah, well, and so, so for example, um, I was just recalling the people that... Um, uh, came and, and um, uh, I washed all the walls and, and repaired as much as I could. But uh, um, there was um, a Samoan Mormon church came in, and there was there must have been thirty or forty of them, and they came in, and I had had the big drums of paint, and anyway they they sort of splash the paint on the walls and ceiling and and, um, and they were saying oh look at this room they put me in and I'd have paint all over me <laughs> and, but uh, that was that was kind of the things that were oh, the, how wonderful. The, the enthusiastic energy uh, of, of, of different people uh, when you've gone through such a difficult time yeah. you must feel so low to have that would make all the difference uh, yeah well it was, it was things that uh, you know very, very helpful, mm. and and it was more than that. It was that the, you know, just the ordinary people of the community, and the, as we saw with the volunteers, that were people um, that you know nobody was telling them to do this. No, was they were just doing this off their own bat yeah. because because that was the kind of place that Brisbane has been. Uh, it, it has got a, a wonderful sense of ordinary people doing things for their neighbours. Well, this is a wonderful story of survival. It's quite incredible that you've come through it and you're smiling on the other side, Lee. Well, yes, and, and, <laughs> and, and the other part was uh, is when we went in to start the recovery phase, um, you know, I, I had to go through the, the nightmare of... Of, of actually the, the contract and the build because um, um, you know, we, we said okay we've, we've set out all the plans we've, uh, we've got our drawings we've got things ready for the builder to come in and so in came 
a wire fence around the, around the oh, site. Okay. And see, the plan was that I'd build a little, you know, I said, if I'm going to live there again, I've got to have a safe floor ha- uh, that's, that's ab- above the flood level. And um, uh, so uh, that was it. So um, my, my friend, the, the architect, um, he said, OK, we'll build a little tree house and it will go up quickly and in, in three or four months or something like that. And then we can think about what to do with the old house and um, uh, whether we can uh, raise it, renovate it and, and, uh, and, and so forth. So uh, the, the, the building began uh, and the, the wire fence went up and um, they marked out where, 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 the, where the foundation um, piers were, were going. And um, and uh, we'd actually uh, all through that later part of the first year uh, was 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 getting soil tests and they say oh soil tests aren't good enough so they you know was negotiating negotiating so it went on for months and months um, and eventually the uh, the only way we're going to do this is to put, put um, um, screw piles down under the foundations for this for the treehouse. And eventually that was done. I, I actually paid for that myself with, with outside of the contract. And anyway, so eventually 2012, which interestingly enough, we mentioned there was another flood in, in February 2012, which, um, uh, which was... So I, I basically um, had to evacuate the house again then. And uh, the water was, was about a metre and a half deep uh, in the street. The kindness of communities. There was uh, a couple of dear, dear, dear Anglican ladies, um, and uh, they, you know, I'd, I'd helped them with with their computers uh, before, so I knew them. But uh, but they came and said, "Oh yes, you'll you'll have to have to." They say, "We'll come and rescue you." So I, I actually stayed stayed with with, with one of those uh, for for the. For the Three or four days when when the yard was just full of water, mm. um, but but you see just that enormous kindness and and, and care and mm. knowledge of, of you know people is just so remarkable. Yeah. Was there times well, that you thought maybe it would just be easier to, to pick up and yeah. move elsewhere? I suppose. Uh, well, that was the, the thing. Mm. Um, yeah, it it would have been another option, a sensible option, to take. One of my, my, what was left of my super, which wasn't a lot, mm. um, and um, the, the, the the premier's grant flood money, mm. which was very very you know absolutely a, a wonderful a wonderful gesture by that community. Mm. Sadly, we we just wouldn't see the same thing if this, if a 2011 flood happened again. Unfortunately, that's how much we've changed in that period of time. But, and why do you think that is? Well, it's it's a kind of the the, the the well not so creeping um, uh, flow of, towards of, of neoliberal philosophies mm. where where basically everything is monetized and uh, and uh, we're, we're just seeing a different climate in the community the old ordinary decency of ordinary people is still there but it's being overridden by all these kinds of organisations, these corporatised, privatised organisations, mm. and I have to—that's the reality I'm now dealing with when my students. I'm seeing mm. the the actual real suffering that's being imposed on people trying to survive in this in this thing. So I'm dealing with people uh, on New Start 
trying to uh, put in 20 jobs a month when they haven't got a computer, my God, uh, and uh, and being penalised, being uh, put at risk that they'll, they'll actually not be able to afford to pay their rent and be kicked out, all that sort of stuff. And um, that's the reality. That's the, our, our new reality. Mm. Um, but... Um, yeah. As I said, and the old Brisbane, and and there's still it's still all there among ordinary people. Uh, you know. You uh, think that's the encouraging part? It's still there underneath. Uh, it it surprises me just mm. how remarkable that is. Just the ordinary, you know, people you wouldn't expect. The, the just ordinary decency mm. of that of the community is 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 still there in in just mm. remarkable amounts. And so you're glad you stayed here at Sherwood and still can get a a glimpse of that. Uh, well, you see, you know, my little tree house and my... See, I, I have um, a large block of land. It's low-lying, and, and but uh, there's, there's two-thirds of an acre there. And I have um, all my birds. And before, there, I had one uh, sort of ecology of different birds, swamp pheasants and, uh, and channel-bill cuckoos just to come in and all this sort of things. Now I've, I've got my magpies and my butcher birds. Just at the moment, uh, the butcher birds are nesting probably about a metre outside my window, and they... They, they trust me so much um, and, uh, you know, you just... That's another encounter with, with, with something wild. It's just wonderful. So it's good, after all you've been through, to, to have that, those moments of happiness seeing the butcher birds outside your window, I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Lee, for, for uh, sharing well, your story with us and just telling us the real story of someone who's lived through yes. such a, a, well, a, a disaster. Well, yes. It really was for Brisbane at the yes. time, wasn't uh, it? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the lucky part was uh, is I got the house finished so, so I was was lucky to even get to the stage of completion. I think. Mm. And listen, now all this construction around us, you wouldn't know it, would you? Sherwood's changing as we speak. Is well, that? Yeah, as we know, I'm, I'm, mm. I've, I've seen the, the, the horrors of it. Um, you know, it's a, but um, uh, we're getting just a, a, an extreme amount of units being going up mm. at five storeys, now eight storeys, and there won't be the services, there won't be the community that, that will connect them. That's, that's got to be rebuilt, and uh, how that will happen, we don't know. And as we see, this is this one next door has um, been sold, so we'll probably see an eight-storey building going up there. They probably, at this stage, we don't know how many are vacant, empty, um, speculators have, uh, have got them uh, with the dream that somehow that they'll keep rising in value, which is probably a, a total folly. But um, that's the reality. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, Lee. The story of survival. I really appreciate it for you joining us on the streets of your town. Uh, yes. That was Lee Windsor speaking to us from the Sherwood Community Centre in Brisbane. Streets of Your Town is produced by Nance Haxton, a.k.a. The Wandering Journo, with production assistance from Michael Adams. That's it for this episode. I'm Nance Haxton. Stay up to date with the latest episode of Streets of Your Town by subscribing on your podcast app on iTunes or SoundCloud. See you next time.